This morning, go to Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29. I, I hope you all don't mind. Sometimes when I preach, you know, I might just be, I don't know, venting a little bit, you know, just kind of unloading. But, you know, I'm, I'm saddened by not just what the world's doing. You know, the world has always been a mess. It always will be a mess. But I'm very disturbed by what's going on in churches. And you know what? I don't expect much even from the charismatic churches and a lot of these churches out there that uh, don't aren't even using the Word of God. But when it starts, stuff starts happening with the Baptists too. That's when it starts really getting my goat a little bit. And uh, there's just kind of a trend that's going on amongst churches today and even in the Baptist church. And I get these comments all the time, usually from people outside of the church. It's like they have these expectations from church now. I mean, this philosophy that I'm going to talk about, it's really catching on, and people are really grabbing onto it. And you all know how I am. Whenever I start seeing the whole world come together on anything, I get nervous. Okay, Whenever everybody starts singing in unison on something, uh, I just... I get nervous. Maybe I'm just contrary, you know. And I, you know, you see everybody that say, you know, raise your right hand. I want to raise my left hand. I mean, I'm just just kind of how I am. You know, I'm a, I'm a little rebellious sometimes, I guess. But what I want to talk to you about today is I want to talk about the church's relationship with the community. Okay, I want to talk about the church's relationship with the community. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, it says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish." But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. And I'm going to show you in just a little bit what that verse, or that word vision there means, what it's talking about. But what this verse here is talking about is basically where there's no vision, where the truth is not being spoken, okay? where people are not being given truth. And I'll show you that's so what that means in just a little bit. They're going to be in trouble. There needs to be in every community, there needs to be a place. There needs to be an assembly, a church where the truth is is being proclaimed. Where it's being proclaimed loudly. Where it's being proclaimed unapologetically. Where the truth is just out there. Where it's going to be unfiltered. And you know what? There's a lot of places where they'll beat around the bush about stuff and they'll sugarcoat things. But you know what? There needs to be one place where you're just going to get it straight. Alright? And I prefer that be this church. I'm, I just, I like to be unique and I know that's not common. And where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law Happy is he in a place where no truth is being proclaimed. It's a very dangerous place. The Bible says that people are going to perish. A place where truth isn't proclaimed, it's a miserable place. It says, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I think if whoever keeps the law is happy, I think we can assume that those who don't keep the law are unhappy. Okay, So I think that's just common sense. But So we see that happiness is found when we keep the law of God. And if you go and you talk to people in our community, there's quite a bit of misery that's going around. I said I, I know uh, maybe you don't see a lot of it when you, when you get out like I do, and you know you walk the streets and you knock doors. Boy, you just find out how miserable people are. And a lot of times uh, they like to unload their misery on you when you show up at their house. It could be dangerous, but there's reasons for this misery. And that's why we go out trying to give them the Gospel. And one of the reasons that you can see, and there's a zillion verses we could go to or not going to, but one of the big causes of misery anywhere is immorality. Okay, When you look at the immorality that goes on anymore, I mean just the, the relationships that people are having, 
the you know the adultery that goes on that ruins relationships it brings unhappiness it brings destruction you and immorality i'm telling you it's a huge part of the problem in our own community there is a lot of adultery a lot of fornication that goes on and people are miserable as a result of it there's a lot of unwed mothers out there there's a lot of deadbeat dads that will not take care of their kids and we wonder why people are so miserable and if they would keep the laws of god they'd be fine but listen who out, who is out there today that is teaching the laws of god i mean do you really think there i mean it's what worldly organization do you know of out there that is speaking out in favor of good morals, sound morals. It's, they're just not there. Even a lot of churches have backed off on it. Drugs and alcohol are the reason for the lot of the misery that's in our community today. People today are, you know, are, you know the alcohol places are doing great. Well, you notice these gas stations, they've all been adding on since now in Rock Falls. They can sell alcohol at gas stations. Yeah, and obviously they're making a lot of money off of that. And it's not helping anybody. It's not making them any better. You say, well, you know what? There are organizations out there speaking out against drugs and alcohol. Yeah, they'll speak out against illegal drugs. They'll speak out against irresponsible drinking. But who's out there just telling people stay away from that stuff, period, that it's a sin? Not too many places, including a lot of churches. The poverty is another reason for that. But yet, we could go and I could preach a whole message on causes of poverty. But you know, I've noticed a lot of poverty-stricken people who seem to have plenty of money for lottery tickets, who have plenty of money to buy the drugs and their smokes and their alcohol. They seem to have the money for all those things. And yet, they're, they think they're miserable because they don't have enough money. But yet, they seem to be wasting it on a lot of stuff. They're not starving to death. And who is speaking out against these things? I don't know of any worldly organizations doing that. And where there is no vision, the people perish. And people are perishing today. They're miserable because of these things. And somebody has to speak the truth about it. And it is, it is not the job of our mayor. It's not the job of our local officials. It is the job of God's people to spread the truth on these things and to shine a light on these things. I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 3. First Samuel chapter three. I want to show you what uh, help you have a better understanding of what that word vision means, because it says where, no, where there is no vision, the people perish. And in First Samuel chapter three, it says, "And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. The reason it says it was precious, the word of God was very rare. God was not speaking much during that time." There was no open vision. There were no prophets that were proclaiming the Word of God during that time. They didn't have the completed written Word of God like we do today. And during that time, Israel was pretty much just doing that which was right in their own eyes. And they were perishing as a result of it. They were getting in trouble. And then we see in that story where God started to speak to Samuel. And then they did start getting an open vision. And thanks to Samuel, it helped Israel out a lot because somebody started proclaiming the truth. But that was a very wicked time they were in. And we're not going to read all of it, but if you go back in chapter twelve or chapter two in verses twelve through twenty four, we see that Eli's sons, who were the priests at that time, they were wicked. The Bible called them sons of Belial, and these guys were going and they were perverting the sacrifices of God. 
they were going and they were not following all the instructions like they were supposed to. They were doing it their own way to benefit them, if you read the story. They were committing adultery with the women that came to do the sacrifices and things. And as a result of that, Eli said, he said, it is um, no good report that I hear. Ye make the Lord's people to transgress. And because these men, the priests, were not following God's instructions, they were causing God's people to sin. They didn't want to go do the sacrifices anymore. They didn't want to give the offerings like they were supposed to anymore because they were disgusted by what was going on because the priests were not doing things right. And you know, a lot of what's going on in churches today, they are saying they're doing these things, modernizing everything, because, well, we got to reach that younger crowd. You know, the old timers, they've kind of ran people off from church with their old ways, and we've got to do these new things, and that will get people in. But the truth is, I, I believe with all my heart, people are not running from churches today because of the old time ways or anything like that. They are running from churches today because of the same reasons they did back then. They're disgusted by what's going on in church today. It is not really church. They're leaving because they're being spiritually starved by the lack of Scripture that's being taught. People aren't learning anything in churches that they go to today. They will go and, I mean, you go to most churches, you know, don't, go try it sometime, just not on a Sunday, alright? You know, we don't want you to miss here. But boy, if you could, you know, go to some of these churches and just see how much Scripture you hear when you're in that church. You barely hear any. And you'll, you'll hear the same verses all the time, and they'll barely say anything about it. And the people, they go there and they're getting nothing out of it. And they're being spiritually starved out. And they don't know where to go. They can go to the next one. It's the same thing over there. Everybody's doing the same stuff in these churches today. And they're being spiritually starved out. They're being, I believe many of them are being spiritually sickened by the perverting of the Scriptures. People are leaving churches today because they're disgusted by these pastors coming in. They're bringing in these new Bibles bringing in these new methods, bringing in these new ways that they know this is not how it's supposed to be. And you know what they're doing? They're getting out. And listen, it's wrong when people get out of church. Okay, Don't get me wrong. I'm not making excuses for these people. Eli told Sam or his sons that you're causing God's people to transgress. They still should have been doing those sacrifices. And you still should be going to church. But you know what? It's hard when you got a guy up there perverting the Scriptures. When he's perverting the things that we're supposed to do, when they're using the corrupt, dirty music of the world, putting Christian words to it, people who really are spiritual and love the law of God are disgusted by that, and they are running out of churches like crazy. And I, be- I believe that's the real reason for it. They're being spiritually starved, they're being spiritually sickened, sickened, and they're being physically replaced by a younger, more exciting, lost crowd who will gladly come as long as they're entertained. Say, well, you're wrong. They're not running because of that. Because look at these big churches that are getting all these people in with all the worldly stuff. Listen, you can get anybody in if you entertain them. Okay? If we went and got Jay-Z and Beyonce here today, I mean, we would have this place packed out. Okay? A lot of you are looking like you don't even know who they are. That's good. You don't need to know who they are. They're wicked, but we could fill this place up like you wouldn't believe if we had them here. And you know, a lot of people, they will. They'll have some people like them that call themselves Christians. 
And they will. And they'll, they'll get a big crowd. The people get all excited. Oh, the Holy Spirit sure moved in service today because we had a full crowd. People got excited. The Holy Spirit had nothing to do with that. And I'm telling you, if you, if you entertain people enough, you can get a crowd. And if we, if we did, if I was a better singer, you know, we could probably get more people in here. I mean, Eric, we did our best today, but you know, we can't compete, we can't compete with, I don't know who the groups are today, you know, who, Who's out there today? You know, in sync or no, I don't think they're around anymore. <laughs> Shows how old, you know. I, I'm, I'm behind on the times, and that that's good. I want to be, but uh, peep, if you entertain them, you'll get the crowd in. But understand that young crowd that's going to church today being entertained, they are perishing too. Their lives are a wreck. They're not doing a thing for God. Their kids are miserable. They, I mean, it, their families are falling apart. It doesn't work one bit. And you know, where does the Bible even teach that we're supposed to entertain people? Now, I, can, I did find a verse in the Bible that says that we entertain angels unaware, but that entertain means basically to be hospitable uh, to them. So you know, you can be hospitable. That's fine. But this new philosophy that's going on in churches today, and I'm telling you, know, and this stuff maybe it bothers me more than it should, but it it irritates me to death. But this new philosophy that has become very prevalent in churches today, and unfortunately even in Baptist churches especially ones with younger pastors, okay? And I am like right on the edge of the age of people that are into this. I'm like I'm like right on the edge from old timer to, you know, young guy and uh I'm thankful. You know, if I'd have born, been born a couple years earlier, this might be a different story I'm, or message I'm preaching right now. But uh I am glad I'm glad I'm where I'm at. But it's this new focus on community. Okay? It's this new focus on community. You hear phrases all the time like, you know, community involvement, serving the community, getting involved in the community. You know, names of of Sunday school is being changed in a lot of these churches to you know community life groups. Basically, the same thing as Sunday school. But you know, they they love to use that word community. You know, we are coming together to build community. And this trend, it's actually very big in the world. The world's been using this for a while, and churches finally caught on to it. Our world's been shoving this down our throat. They use social media. You know, they do their hashtag, together is better stuff that they're all promoting. And even preachers are using some of that stuff. And this new this community thing, okay? I'm going to show you, you know, when we look at the meanings of words, it tells us something, all right? And I and I. And I'm not saying all of that focus is bad, but I will tell you this, they're using the wrong word. And there is a word that they should be using, and they are not using it on purpose because what I am going to accuse these people of is what's going on and what they're really trying to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to show you that in a minute. But how many recently, you, you heard about that NBC commercial where they said, you know, your children belong to the community. Remember that? Oh, that that I, I heard that. I, I got a quote. It says they said on that commercial, MSNBC, one of their people says, you know, we have never invested as much in public ed- education as we should have, because we have always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kids is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. She she said on there in this lean forward campaign. And then she said, so part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. 
right. Now, you know, it's it's lucky, you know, that I just, you know, the TV screen, you don't see broken ones all over the place. Because I see stuff like that, man. I just, I want to hit something. And, you know, I want to hit the person, uh, preferably. But I remember I saw that commercial. And they did, there was a lot of outcry about it. And they kept playing it. I remember seeing it at work. I, they they had it on there. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I can't believe they're still playing this thing. I can't believe they're still using that. But so they belong to the community. Okay? And Christians, are they've been copying the world's terminology and they're even copying the world's methods for these things. And, I'll, and here, this was this was a pastor that did this tweet. All right, and I like to read just ridiculous tweets every once in a while. But he said this: community doesn't happen in rows; it happens in circles. Lasting relations, lasting relationships happen in life groups. Join one today, okay? Like you all, you're all in rows today. That's not going to work. We need to be in circles. Kind of like, you know, AA meetings. Hi, my name's Tommy. I'm an alcoholic. I've gone two weeks without drinking. You know, you know let's, let's all clap. And you know, I'm not criticizing all that, but let me tell you something. Those kind of things are complete failures in comparison to churches. And churches are wanting to copy that method where you go and you get a bunch of people that basically are failing, okay? They've made it a week, two weeks, maybe a month, maybe two years, when there's churches that people can go to, where there's people that they conquered that stuff 20, 30 years ago, people that have gone their entire lifetime and they've conquered that stuff, but yet we can't go to those people. We can't use their methods that's worked for years and lifetimes. We've got to go to these things where they're lucky somebody made it a month. And yet, church, and churches want to copy that, and they wonder why we can't seem to teach the things of God anymore with any success. We're using the world's methods. And look, the, the definition of community, okay, and the, I like to use the Webster's 1828 dictionary. It's a society of people having common rights and privileges or common interests, civil, political, or ecclesiastical, or living under the same laws and regulations. This word may signify a commonwealth or state, a body politic, or a particular society, or order of men within a state as a community of monks, and it is often used for the public or people in general without very definite limits. So listen, you know, I mean, not all communities bad, okay? We all are all part of a community, uh, you know, depending on where you live and things like that. But, and then the more modern definition of community, it's a social group of any size whose members reside in a specific location, share government, and often have a common cultural and historical heritage, or a social, religious, occupational, or other group-sharing common characteristics or interests, and perceived or perceiving itself as distinct in some respect from the larger society within which it exists. Okay, So, right there is kind of an idea uh, of what community means. All right, And I'm going to show you when you see the definition of what a community is, and when you look at what the Christian's relationship is supposed to be with the world, that's not a good word to use. That is not the right word that we want to use. There is a word that should be used, and I'll, I'll share that with you in a little bit. But you know, another when I think of the word community too, especially when I think of the MSNBC commercial when it talks about the children being part of the community, I think of another word that's very similar. Communism. <laughs> All right. Communism, definition of that, it wasn't in the Webster's 1828 dictionary. I guess they, they, they hadn't come up with that word yet. 
But it's a theory or system of social organization based on the holding of all property in common. Actual ownership being described to the community as a whole or to the state. Hey, did you know today, and this started back during Bush's administration, that you might have heard about the eminent domain thing. And the truth is, you, know, you don't really own anything. Your property, your house, it belongs to the community. And if for the betterment of the community, they need to remove your house, you have to sell it to them. And you can try to fight it, but you will lose because it all, it, it all belongs to the community. This church or property, it's not ours. It belongs to the community. And if it's in the best interest of the community to remove this church, they can do it. And that, that is the law. And oh, that kind of sounds like communism. To me, but uh, and and for some, and, you know, that's fine. The government wants to use that out there, but why are churches getting so wrapped up in this? Because you know, a common practice in churches today, and you know, you get together, you dress up in matching shorts and t-shirts, you go into the community events, and you give things away. All right, that's a very common thing. I talk to people here in town. We're out knocking doors. Like, yeah, our church really should be doing that. Our church is really dwindling. It's really dying. We should be out knocking on doors. I was like, well, you know, why don't you guys do that? I was like, well, we go to some of the community events and give stuff away, you know, give bottles of water away and things. And it's like, that kind of reminds me of politicians. Isn't that what they do to get votes? They go around these community events. They try, they all, they, depending on who they're talking to, will determine how they dress. Okay? And then they go and they give things away at these events. So you will vote for them. And then they can raise your taxes and take control over you. And churches, they do that. Let's go give things away and we'll get people to come to our church and maybe we can get them tithing. I don't know. It just sounds kind of, that sounds a little too much like the government to me. I don't know that that's what we ought to be doing. What is, what is it we're supposed to be doing? What terminology are we supposed to be using? What is this obsession with community? Because the truth is, we don't have a lot in common. With the community around us today, I'm not picking. On, I'm not picking on. Them. You're going to see that in a little bit. But what should we be calling it? What should we be focusing on? What word should we use? And I believe the word that we should use is congregation. There's two words: congregation and church. Now wait, why? That's what we've been using for years, isn't it? Those are biblical words. But you know what? We've quit using them because it sounds too churchy. We want, to sound, we want to make sure we fit in with them out there, right? And so if we can't say church, can't say congregation, you know, community, that sounds more inviting, right? Because we have all these things in common. You know, the, the word congregation, it means the act of bringing together or assembling. Or more generally, an assembly or persons uh, of a persons, and appropriately, an assembly of persons met for the worship of God and for religious instruction. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Aren't we supposed to be, you know, bringing people together to worship God? Isn't that what we're? Isn't that why we come together to worship Him, to sing praises to Him, to hear from His Word? Isn't that why we're here? Or are we here to be entertained? Now, if the community wants to do entertaining events amongst the community, that's fine. But the church, the congregation, their job is to come together and unify and worship to God. That's what it's all about. He, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the community and gave Himself for it. Is that what it says? 
It says that he loved the church and gave himself for it. Well, what's a church? A church basically the same thing. It means a calling out or especially a religious congregation. Okay? An assembly. That is what we are here today. This we you know we refer to the building as a church a lot as the church, but this building is not the church. The church is the assembly of believers. It is the people when they come together in unity to worship God and uh, you know to praise Him, to learn from His Word. That is the church. That is an assembly of believers. It's in a congregation. In Acts chapter seven verse thirty seven, it says that. It, is that Moses, which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. He called them the church in the wilderness. Why did he call them a church? They were wandering through the wilderness. They didn't have a building. They were the church because they were an assembly of believers. That's why they were the church. And also in uh, Exodus chapter 16, verse 1, and they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came unto the wilderness of sin. It refers to them as a congregation. Congregation, church, it means the same thing. And it's a, always an assembly of believers, assembly of people coming together to worship God. The focus of us coming together is the focus is to worship God. And when our focus becomes community, our focus becomes about us. This is all about us. Hey, what can we get what can we get out of this? What can we do to entertain ourselves? What can we do to please the community? What can we do to reach out and so people can enjoy when we're supposed to be coming together to please God? And that's why churches today are bringing in the rock music while they're using the perverted scriptures is because they're they're trying to please people. They're not trying to please God. I mean, do you really think God is pleased when we all get together banging our heads to the head banging music? And I, do you really think He's pleased by that? Is that worshipful at all? No, that is a hundred percent the flesh. And let me tell you, community loves that. Our, our community loves that. People love that. Man, and community, myself included, we enjoy the things of the flesh. We enjoy entertainment. Community loves that. You can build community if you're entertaining. If you have good enough entertainment, you can build community. You can get people to come together and have things in common and have a good time. But the question is, are we pleasing God? And we're not trying to build the community today. We're trying to build the congregation. And we're trying to get people in here that are wanting to come and that want to worship God and sing praises to God and to glorify God and to be obedient to His Word. That's what we're trying to build. We're not building community. We're trying to build the congregation. We're trying to build the church. We want that assembly of believers to be larger because the more people that there are, the more people that are serving God, that are praising God, the more people that are following His Word, the more happiness and the less misery. The more happy and the less perishing. See, we are, and even as a church, okay, we are a community. okay. And here today, we are part of the Liberty Baptist Church community, I guess you could say. And we we are here. We're able to come together because we have something in common. All right, you know we love the Lord. We love uh, the, you know the doctrine that's taught here. But look at Second Corinthians chapter sixteen, verse fourteen. 
But going out into the community and becoming a part of the community, uh, I think we're going to see that that's not what we're about. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6.14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? We do not. There is a difference between a believer and an unbeliever, and the type of the community we're supposed to have in the congregation, in the church, the lost is not going to enjoy it one bit. They're not going to get a thing out of it. And most people are trying to focus their churches and build their church services in a way that's comfortable for lost people. Okay. And this, what we're doing here today, while lost people are invited to come and learn, it's for the believer. It's geared towards the believer. That's how it's supposed to be. It's not geared towards the community. It's geared toward the congregation of believers. Verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. We're supposed to come out from them. And that's when God saved us, He separated us. He separated us. From them, he called us out of the world. First Peter chapter two and verse six. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they are appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. You see, we're, we're different. We've been separated. We are a set apart. That term peculiar people, it means a, basically we are a purchased possession with a purpose. God pur purchased us for a purpose we are to be used for His glory. And he says in verse 10, Whereas in time past you were not a people, but now are the people of God which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. We're just wandering through this place. And God said, He said, Stay away from the fleshly lusts and churches today, they're saying we're trying to reach out to the community. And the way they do it, they allow fleshly lusts that war against the soul into the church and into the congregation. Instead of going into the community, trying to convince them, or they're, instead of trying to get them into the congregation, it's like they're going into the community trying to say, hey, guess what? We're one of you. Hey, we're not that weird. We're just like you people. I mean, we're just sinners too like all of you, forget about the fact that you've been washed in the blood of Christ, that you've been made holy by the blood of Christ, that you are indwelt by the Holy Ghost of God, and hopefully you're being obedient to His words and following His commandments and loving the Lord, loving the brotherhood. We're going and we're trying to convince them we are. there's no difference between us and you. There's a huge difference between us and them. Now listen, everybody out there could be one of us through Jesus Christ. Every one of them. No matter what they've done, if they would call on the Lord for salvation, He could save them and they could, they could be one of us. I mean, most Christians today, they could pass us up in no time. We're just not that spiritual these days. It could be done. 
we're not, we're not, it's not a put down to them. Okay? But understand, we need to realize we are not one of them. We are strangers. We are pilgrims on this earth. And people today, the churches today, trying to act like, you know, we are all one. We're all one. We're all brothers. The Bible says we're a sanctified, we're a sanctified community. We have been made holy. Hebrews 2.9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man, for it became him for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all one. For which cause? He is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Do you all see that, folks? that we have been made holy, not by our works, but by the blood of Christ. He has made us holy. He is not ashamed to call us brother. Why? Because we have been made holy by the blood of Christ, but with the world, it's another story. They're not His brother. This idea of we're all brothers. People say that to me all the time. Well, we're all brothers. Okay? Biblically speaking, at Dead wrong. Okay, I know that sounds good and it sounds wonderful, but that is not Bible. Go to Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty six. I want to close with this. Matthew chapter twelve and verse forty six. People want to make a big deal, you know. Well, yeah, we're all brothers because you know we all descended from Noah. Well, yeah, in that sense we are. But you know what? It's more than just physically, okay? Spiritually, because that's what we're all about. That's what the church is all about. That's what the congregation is all about. And we see in Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, people like to make a big deal about bloodlines. We've got a lot of Christians today that like to make a huge deal about you know, Jews because they're, because they're Jews, because they're bloodline, when it's clear in the New Testament that it doesn't matter, it doesn't make a difference. In Matthew 12, 46, while he yet talked to the people, behold his mother, Mary, the Blessed Virgin, right? And his brethren, Oh, she had more kids after Christ. I wonder how that happened. But anyway, that's another that's another message right there. And his brethren stood without desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to speak with thee. Hey, there was always people that made a big deal about his family. Even back then, there was the one woman that start, that praised his mother. You might remember, and Jesus, you know, he he rebuked her. And then notice what he said. Hey, I mean, there's a lot of people wanting to see Jesus, but here was. Family, right? This is important. This is important. But notice what Jesus said. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. You see, what's important. Is it's not about community. It's not about bloodlines. It's not about the fact we're all Americans. Listen, I, I like going to family reunions. We have something in common. We have bloodlines in common. That's fine. I'll do that. You know, I, I like being an American. Uh, you know, I'm all for American stuff and everything like that. I'm, I'm glad I'm an American. But you know what? More importantly than any of that, I'm thankful that I'm saved today. I'm thankful I'm in the family of God. 
We see that is the most important family. That is the most important community or congregation that you can be a part of. Is the congregation of believers and this new attitude of let's go out and be one of them so we can reach them. It's not working. It doesn't make any sense. And it's not it's not biblical. You know, people often say, well, what's wrong with you know changing names? Okay? Alright, if you call community life groups or Sunday school, you know, it's it's just in a name, okay? Alright, you know, and that's fine, there's no big deal there. But unfortunately everybody that's using that, they are these these methods of let's all come together with the world, it's it's changing things. It is changing their music. It's changing their Bibles. It's changing the way they talk, the way they look, the way they do everything, the way they set up their buildings, setting them in circles instead of rows. I mean, well, what's the big deal? You know, hey, I'm just saying, why do we want to copy the world's methods? There's, listen, I don't, I don't have a problem with AA. I'm not, I'm not against people getting together and trying to encourage each other to stop doing drugs and things. I, I hope they keep doing that. But I think what the church does is better. I think it's more effective. Hey, I'm all for people trying, trying stuff, but I, I prefer to use what works best, what's been the most successful. I mean, we've got people here that for years and years you've been successful on some of these things and you can be a bigger help to some, to some of these people than someone who's only been successful a month, a week, two weeks. And we need. And the thing that people need more than anything is Jesus Christ in their life. Do you think they're going to get that at the AA meeting? No, they're not, they're not going to get that. And but here, that's where that's where it's at. And we need to make sure that we don't get caught up in this stuff. People are not leaving churches today because. They're too old school. Okay, that's not. I, I don't believe that. I don't buy that. I believe lost people leave churches because of that. The Bible talks about they went out from us because they were not of us. Lost people aren't going to like this, and they'll come. And I'm not saying everybody that doesn't want you know, that comes and visits and leaves is lost. But I'm going to tell you right now, lost people aren't going to like this. But saved people are leaving churches today because they're being starved out. They're being disgusted out because churches, unfortunately, are going off this trend of being a part of the community when it's clear in the Bible He has set us apart from the community. And it's not a we're better than you attitude. They could be one of us too. I mean, we could go to so many Scriptures where it talks about you know what you once were, the things that you used to do that you are now ashamed of. There is, there is nothing that's going on out there in the community that there's probably not somebody in here today that used to do those things. Okay, They could be a part of this congregation and we want them to be a part of this congregation. But in the meantime, we cannot change the commandments of God. We cannot change who we really are, who God has called us to be, and make a difference. We have got to stick to the Scriptures and do whatever we can to bring them in and to get the gospel message to them. And I believe if we do, I believe our church will grow. I, I really do. I believe that God I believe God will bless it and we will be able to make a difference. And that is the true way, folks, that we can meet the needs of the community is by giving them the truth and giving it to them straight. So with that, let's all stand together.